yeah, I applied for it. They gave away $100,000 US to 100 people around the world. So that was the, the award. And it took about six months from the, I guess there were six stages, oh, sorry, four stages over about six months um, through to, for the competition. And so each stage that I sort of got through, I got a little bit more excited and started to think, oh, well, I'm, I'm actually a chance here. And yeah, in August of last year was when they announced the 100 winners. And uh, yeah, I was lucky enough to be, to be one of the winners. Welcome to Behind the Stays, a podcast that shares the stories behind your favorite Airbnbs, boutique hotels, and hospitality brands, and the hosts, operators, and entrepreneurs who have brought them to life. Every Tuesday and Friday, you'll meet the military veterans, the retired flight attendants, tech entrepreneurs, the school teachers, the single moms, and the real estate investors who are all, in their own unique ways, shaping the future of travel and hospitality. Discover how these visionaries from all over the world have built chic cabins in the mountains, designed bohemian bungalows on the beach, erected eclectic off-grid and nature-immersed escapes, and so much more. Behind the Stays is brought to you by Spontaneous, the internet's best destination for last-minute Airbnb deals. You can subscribe for free at Spontaneous.com. And I'm your host, Zach Cruz, co-founder and CEO of Spontaneous. All right, friends, enjoy the show. If you're like most Airbnb hosts, you likely started hosting as a side hustle. Perhaps your initial goal was just to cover the mortgage on your vacation home or make a few extra bucks for the kids' college savings. Or maybe it was even your very first real estate investment. But if you're listening to this podcast, chances are your Airbnb side hustle is becoming a real business. Now it feels like a full-time job and you might even be sleeping less than your guests. If this sounds more or less like your story, then you'll be ecstatic to meet today's sponsor, Host Labs. Think of Host Labs as the Robin to your Batman or the Yin to your Yang. Host Labs partners with short-term rental owners and operators like you so you can get away from the daily hosting chores and spend your time planning the next chapter of your business. Host Labs partners with you to set up seamless operations for your short-term rental business so you can focus on working on your business and not just in it. They do this by walking alongside you as you set strategic growth goals, determine how best to build your technology stack, and their in-house recruiting agency is the perfect resource for when you're ready to start scaling your team. Host Labs doesn't just tell you or show you what to do. They ensure that the job actually gets done, whether that be reducing your monthly burn or finding a new cleaning team. So if you're ready to keep growing your portfolio, Host Labs is here to help you turn your dream of owning a really cool hospitality business into a reality. You can get started with a free consultation to see if Host Labs might be the right match for your business at hostlabs.co. That's .co as in C-O forward slash B-T-S as in behind the stays. And if you decide to work with them, you'll qualify for an exclusive discount when you reference behind the stays during your chat with one of their team members. Again, that's hostlabs.co, C-O forward slash B-T-S. All right, guys, back to the show. In just a moment, you'll meet Tim Harper, an innovator who left the digital marketing world to create Bubble Retreats, a unique hospitality brand in Victoria, Australia. In this episode, we'll walk through Tim's inspiring journey from a memorable stargazing night in France to becoming a winner of Airbnb's OMG campaign. 
In this conversation, Tim and I explore his transition from online marketing to becoming an entrepreneur, the birth of bubble retreats, and how he was inspired to build the brand after spending a night in a transparent tent in France, how he overcame the challenges of building a unique property with no prior construction experience, the strategy behind choosing bubble structures for a standout guest experience, what it was like winning Airbnb's prestigious OMG competition, and so much more. All right, friends, without further ado, get ready to meet Tim. All right, Tim, we are live, my friend. It is really early where you are in Australia, and it is it afternoon. Is. <laughs> it's Friday there, right, at the time of this Yeah, recording? Friday morning, so 6.30 a.m., so yeah, up bright and early this morning, ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, it is a Thursday afternoon here in, in Washington, D.C., so it's a, it's a pleasure to, to be chatting with you, man. You're, you're literally like in the future right now, which is, which is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it is, yeah. No, I really appreciate you having me on, so I'm looking forward to uh, yeah, having a bit of a chat. And uh, yeah, should be good. Yeah, no, it's gonna be it's gonna be great, man. And you, I think we connected on uh, X, formerly Twitter, and yeah. uh, started chatting a little bit. And then I like I don't know if I googled you, I clicked the link in your bio, and I, I realized, oh my gosh, you've got this really cool thing going on with bubble retreats. You were one yeah. of the winners of a pretty prestigious uh, uh, contest that Airbnb threw as part of their like you know, OMG, uh, uh, campaign that they did. And I, I want to get into the story of, of all of that, but I thought it'd be fun to just start by hearing you tell us right from, from your perspective, like where, yeah. where does the story of bubble retreats really begin? Yeah. So I'd say it was sort of in the back of the mind. So my background, I've, I've worked in marketing. I've done a lot of sort of online work. So marketing, e-commerce, um, and yeah, that's sort of what I was in at the time. And I was sort of like, I grew up in the hills. So I grew up out in the mountains in the Dandenong Ranges here in Victoria. Um, and yeah, I was sort of looking for something a little bit more hands-on, you know, building something a little bit more tangible in yeah. the real world. So that's sort of where the idea initially, I guess, came from. Um, and then over the sort of the coming months, I started to do a bit of research and I was looking at all sorts of different sort of structures that we could possibly use. Um, and it was actually when I decided that I wanted to do it, I was actually over in France. My, uh, my partner's French. So I was, we were in southern France for three months and we were in, on a property and we stayed in um, like a little tent. Okay. <laughs> and it was a little, a little transparent tent. Um, and we were stargazing. And that was, I guess, you know, I'd done a little bit of research previously, but that was the moment where I thought, oh, okay, like I want to do something that's linked to stargazing. Huh. Um, and so I started to search a little bit more about, you know, that side of things. And that's where the, the bubble idea came about. Um, and so when I returned to uh, Melbourne, Australia, um, I started to look for properties. So I actually don't own the property of which we've built the first, uh, the bubble retreat. So I yeah started sort of, you know, reaching out to landowners, vineyards, farm uh, owners and that kind of thing. Wow. Um, I think I went to about 30, 35 to 40 properties. Wow. Ended up finding this property and then it was about that time where the Airbnb competition came about. So, I thought this is perfect. Um, yeah, like good timing. So, I applied for the competition and I guess long story short, ended up being one of the, the lucky winners um, and that's kind of how it all came to be. Wow. Wow. Okay. So, you, you started all of this because you were in marketing in a digital context. You wanted to do something a little bit more offline. And yeah. 
you also fell in love with like this stargazing experience that you had in in France, and that's that's what what inspired you to get into hospitality. Like you you could have done a lot of different yeah. things with that, right? And and had you had you ever built anything before? Like had you been had you done any sort of like ground up construction or renovated a home your home before? Or did you no. have any experience going in? <laughs> no, okay, <laughs> uh, not really. No, that's what I guess. Yeah, it's funny looking back because I. Like I, I am a, I am a hands-on person. Yeah. So like I've done a little bit of landscape gardening. Um, yeah. I actually had a little gardening business when I was at university just to oh, earn wow. some cash on the side. And I grew up sort of as an outdoorsy type person. But in terms of, you know, actually building things and, and renovating, I'd never, I'd never experienced, you know, had any experience really. Wow. Um, so that was definitely one of the challenges. Um, and I ended up doing a lot more of the work myself than I first, I guess, thought yeah. <laughs> um just due, due to the i guess it was quite a strict timeline so we, were, we had to get things done and also where we were located um uh it was quite hard to find tradespeople. so i ended up you know finding a good electrician a good plumber but in terms of finding someone who could help sort of build a lot of the infrastructure that was a little bit more difficult so i ended up doing a lot more of the work than i initially <laughs> planned looking back it was it was fun and it was a big challenge and i'm glad i did it yeah um but yeah, def- definitely a challenge, but I'm, like I said, I'm glad I, I did it that way. Uh, that, I mean, that sounds exhausting to me. Like, I, I feel like I'd just be like, <laughs> I'd be terrified. But um, but why don't you, could, could you describe a little bit for for the listeners, like, talk to us about, like, the actual structure, because it's, it's, it's super unique. I mean, my words are, I don't know if you've, if you've used this in, like, your positioning or not, but it kind of looks like, it looks like you're in, like, a snow globe. Like, like, you know, when you think about, like, those <laughs> snow globes that they have, like, it, it I mean, you, you, you call it a bubble, right? And, and it's very akin yeah. to that, but that's, that's sort of the impression, uh, or I should say the, the visual experience uh, that, that I get when I, when I look at it is, is I associate it with it, with a snow globe, but, but talk to us yeah. a little bit about what the actual structure is and like, how is it made? Like, how does it work? Yeah. So yeah, it does look like a bit of a snow globe. Um, we call it a bubble. Um, some people also describe it as looking like, it looks like something from out of space. Yeah. So <laughs> like a bit of a spaceship, like it sort of just landed, um, from space on, onto earth, but, um, the structure itself. So I think what makes it really unique is that it's completely transparent um, and it doesn't have, there's no, there's nothing sort of in between. Mm. So like even with, you know, like a geodome or some of these other structures where you do get that stargazing experience, there's still something sort of, you know, there's still other structures sort of in between you and I guess the stars above. Yeah. Um, so the bubble itself is inflated. So it's 24 seven, it's got an air turbine, which sort of it pumps up through into the, uh, the entry sort of corridor, which acts as a, a bit of an airlock. Um, and that's essentially how the bubble stays inflated. So, yeah, definitely <laughs> unique in that sense. Wow. Um, but, yeah, you still have that privacy. So, along the back, we've still got the, the material which sort of covers, um, you know, anything from behind. And then the bathroom, it's just like a small little uh, stargazing roof above the shower. So, we, we've sort of, you know, ensured privacy while still, I guess, getting that experience of, you know, being able to lay in bed and look up and it's essentially and see the stars. Yeah. It's, it's, it's essentially like being outside. It's a little more comfortable. In the comfort of your bed. Yeah, yeah. exactly right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. That's amazing. Okay. And when you were concepting this, like, so so your your chief objective going in was I want to help people stargaze and, and stargaze maybe a little bit more like comfortably, but yeah. like, like you could have done a lot of different things, right? So how, how did you arrive at like this particular 
structure was it because from from how you just described it and i mean i've seen it, it looks it looks beautiful it looks amazing but if it's like inflatable more or less like is it is it pretty like was it pretty cheap to build like like talk to us a little bit about like the the actual the actual process that you went through to determine what material to use here yeah so there i yeah so that's a good question um there were lots of reasons for my decision to go down this path i guess um i guess one of the main reasons i did choose bubbles was due to i wanted something really unique hmm. um and i because i thought that would be i guess some some a, a good way to be able to sort of market the product yeah um and get people through the door i think people more and more are looking for those unique concepts so that was when I was sort of looking at the different structures, that was certainly top of mind um, to get something, I guess, Instagrammable, marketable, yeah, yeah. Um, and get people through the door. And so far, so good. Um, yeah, and the the bubble itself. So uh, it's although yeah, it's inflated twenty four seven. It still is a very solid structure. Okay. So um, I, I one thing I've noticed, like guests, I think when they you know we get feedback, um, one of the common sort of I guess bits of feedback that we receive is that once you step inside, you do feel like you're in a, a very solid structure despite being in, a, in an inflated bubble. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's um, the materials are, are all very high quality, um, made to last. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's much more, I guess, more solid than it, it sounds. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It doesn't feel like, you know, yeah. like a bouncy house or something when you, when you walk in there, like a moon bounce. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. The acoustics, one, again, one thing that... Um, guests have given us feedback on is the acoustics in inside the actual bubble itself are really cool so we've wow. put a little bluetooth speaker oh, nice. in there and a lot of people really enjoy you know um playing music and, and you sort of stand in different areas like within the bubble and you get a completely different uh, acoustic sound yeah. so yeah that's actually an experience within itself which people are really enjoying hey guys it's zach if you're enjoying this episode could you do me two very quick favors First, this show is possible thanks to a handful of incredible organizations who've signed on to be advertising partners of Behind the Stays. It would mean the world to me if you'd take just a second to scroll down to the show notes and go learn more about this episode's sponsor. Even if you aren't in the market for agency support or a new PMS at the moment, it never hurts to be aware of who else is out there. And second, if you're listening to this episode on Spotify, could you be so kind as to give Behind the Stays a five-star rating? And if you're on Apple Podcasts, could you submit a quick review and let me know what you love most about the show? I know it seems trivial, but these things really, really do help us grow the show. And just a reminder that if you've ever got feedback from me on how to make the show better, shoot me an email directly at Zach, that's Z-A-C-H, at spontaneous.com. You all really are the best. I love receiving your emails and DMs. All right, so check out the sponsor and leave us a rating and a review, please. All right, guys, back to the show. Did you have, Tim, like, did you have any sort of, like, background in hospitality or, like, experiential design of any sort? Or, like, were, were you just, you were really like, hey, I'm tired of internet marketing and I want to go, like, market something that I build that I think is cool. Like, because like, this, is, this is quite the shift, right, from, from, mm. what, from what you were doing. So, you know, what confidence, I guess, did you have that you'd be able to, like, pull that off? Uh, confidence definitely waned at certain times throughout the process. So I guess, yeah, pretty much the way you just said it is exactly how it was. I had this idea and concept. I wanted to do something that I was excited about. Um, I wanted to do something that sort of 
like I said before, was tangible and that, you know, people could really enjoy. Yeah. And it was something like I'm, I'm passionate about you know, getting out into nature and reconnecting with nature and that kind of thing growing up in the, the mountains here in Melbourne. Um, and so I guess that's just really where it stemmed from. But once the process started and once I, I guess, it was just one step at a time. Yeah. I just, yeah, that was the key. There were, there were many times throughout the build where I felt like giving up, but it was, yeah, just taking one one step at a time and moving through. And yeah, I think I think like any, like if you, if, if you want to build something special, that's sort of, you know, the only what way. you have to do, but, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Why, why not like build like just a glass box or something like that, right? Which is what a lot of people, or not a lot of people, but like, you know, more and more people yeah. have, have kind of done some sort of version of a, like in in the states, like getaway is really popular, yeah. right? Where they have like you know it's it's I think three walls of you know wood or whatever, and then they've got like one huge glass wall that like you know makes you feel like you're immersed in nature. I think unplugged yeah. is one that is in, that's popular in the, like the UK. There there are versions of, of of these companies that have popped up everywhere. I'm sure there's one in Australia, but like yeah. why why not just do glass box? Like what 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 how, how did you come to settle on like the actual bubble was that sort of the oh there are all these glass boxes so let me build something that kind of emulates that but is still is is different and that's the reason you went down that path or wh- wh- why why the bubble yeah i think it was i just wanted something completely unique yeah and like in america there are other companies here in australia you know there's lots of tiny houses popping up mm-hmm. you know all mm-hmm. over the place and they're doing really well but i think it's maybe not getting saturated, but you know, there's definitely a lot more competition there. Yeah. Um, I guess to that point, I was like, my background is, you know, marketing and strategy and that kind of thing. Yeah. So I, I did a lot of thinking about how can I not just create a unique experience, but also, you know, build a sustainable business. Yeah. Um, and I think, I guess, yeah, I was sort of, uh, there's this, there's this concept called the Blue Ocean Strategy. It was actually a book that I read during that period where yeah. I was sort of, you know, researching the path of, of which I would take and um, it's sort of just the bubbles made the most sense. I mean, you know, they, they don't cost nearly as much um, as a traditional build, even like a tiny, tiny house, for example. Yeah. Um, but in reality, we can still charge, you know, two, three times more um, the rate. So the, the numbers stack up really, really well. Um, I guess just touching on that strategy, it's, you know, the, the simultaneous um, pursuit of differentiation and lowering cost. Yeah, and I think if you can sort of achieve that, um, then you then you're onto a good, I guess, a good business. Yeah, um, model. So that's essentially what I think we've achieved to date. Um, and I think, yeah, that was that was a big part of the reason I chose the bubble. And, and you know, there's so many sort of advantages. You know, it's a small space, um, so you know, it's quite minimalistic. So lower operational costs. You know the lower cleaning costs, yeah. you have lower issue, uh, less issues with maintenance and that type of thing. Um, there's just, yeah, marketing. We, we planned on doing a lot more marketing than we have to date, but because of its Instagram ability, it's just so marketable. You know, we popped up a video on TikTok and got 1.2 million views within a couple of weeks. <laughs> um, so all of those advantages sort of just put together um, has, I guess, really helped. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, yeah. It, it, it's, it's super impressive. Speaking, I, I want to talk about the Airbnb contest in, in just a second here. But before we do that, like, what? So, what did it cost? Like, roughly, like, what do what? Roughly, what do what does it cost to build one of these bubbles? Yeah. So the cost. So I built two bubbles on the one property. Okay. Um, and I was able to do that for about one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Okay. Um, so that includes, you know, like building the decking platform. Um, 
I actually, the site that I picked, there was some infrastructure there and that was what part of the reason that I did pick that property. Okay. Um, so I guess if you were building from scratch, um, it might cost a little bit more, but in terms of this specific build, you know, you're looking at about, it cost me about 75, 80 grand uh, per, per, per bubble. Unit, yeah, um, yeah. Per unit. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's and amazing. that includes everything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. Oh, that's that's yeah. wonderful. And so, okay, so you you built two on this this property, and then at what point in time do you decide? So Airbnb launches launches this. I think they what they call it like the OMG like fund or OMG contest. It was something yeah. like they offered. It was like a ten million dollar fund, right, or something like that. And they were like you could. Yeah. like hundreds of thousands of people or some crazy number of people applied and then what like they they essentially gave you like a couple grand 10 grand whatever 100 grand to to build your concept so did you win the contest before your first bubbles were built or like talk to us about how you heard about the contest like what the timeline for that was and what it was like to to win yeah so it's it came about at the perfect time really it came about when i was um essentially i'd research properties and I was looking to get started. I hadn't decided exactly on what structure to use, but um, yeah, I heard about it. A friend actually just sent me the link on Instagram. It just popped up on his Instagram and he sent it through and I thought, well, this is perfect. You know, it's pretty much fits the bill of what I'm trying to do. So <laughs> that's essentially, yeah, I applied for it. It was, um, they gave away a hundred thousand US dollars to wow. 100 people um, wow. around the world. So that was the, the award. Um, and it took about six months from the, I guess there were six stages, oh, sorry, four stages over about six months um, through to for the competition. And so each stage that I sort of got through, I got a little bit more excited and started <laughs> to think, oh, well, I'm, I'm actually a chance here. Um, and yeah, in August of last year was when they announced the 100 winners. Um, and uh, yeah, I was lucky enough to be to be one of the winners. And it came, like I said, it came at the perfect time because – I was kind of starting to, you know, some doubts were creeping in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, in terms of, yeah, for for a number of reasons, and yeah, that sort of just set the, I guess, set me on my way, and I started to build not long thereafter. So, what was like? What was the feeling like? Like when you got? Did you get like a call or an email or something? And I was like, Tim, uh, you yeah. won. <laughs> like, what, like, what, what, how, how did those events play out? So it was always via email and the final email I received because I think they were sending it from the US again. So it was overnight and I knew it was, you know, within the next 48 hours that I would find out. So I woke up at about 5am and I looked at my phone and checked and I saw the the email <laughs> and I opened it up and yeah, it was actually, it was actually an amazing feeling because I'd, I had already put in a lot of work yeah. up to that stage and I'd, I'd already decided that I was going ahead with the project. So it was yeah, I guess it was one of those, I, you know, I felt like it was reward for, I guess, putting in the work up until that stage. And, yeah. Um, and it was sort of like one of those, it was meant to be moments, yeah. I guess. So, yeah, it was very exciting. And then it sort of dawned on me that, you know, there was a strict timeline ahead and I had to sort of get to work and, and get them built as, as soon as possible. Wow. Wow. So, yeah, was that, yeah. That, 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 that was my next question. Like, what, what, what kind of timeline did they give you guys? Like, I, I would imagine these winners, like they, they obviously, they want to see these things get built so they can list them on Airbnb under the OMG category. Yeah. Most startups, I don't even know if you call them a startup anymore. Most, you know, tech companies uh, aren't very patient, right? Like, <laughs> like things yeah. that happen yeah. quickly. Yeah. So uh, yeah. what kind of timeline did you have? So we had 12 months from the time that they announced the winners. So okay. it was essentially August to August. Um, 
Uh, but I think a lot of people, you know, like with permitting and yeah, you know, there was so many, yeah. there's so many sort of regulation issues that people encountered. We've got a WhatsApp group with the winners in there and we all sort of discuss <coughs> um, and chat about our projects. And um, yeah, I think I was lucky in that sense because I managed to get permitting through very quickly. But a lot of people, you know, it took months and months to get permitting and sort of that set them back a little bit. So yeah, it was still a very strict timeline and I thought I was going to be finished sort yeah. of three months ahead of schedule. Um, I was a little bit optimistic, um, but I managed to open on August 1st, which was the cutoff date. Um, but I think out of the 100 winners, I'm, yeah, there's still there's still many who are still sort of working away yeah. on their builds and trying to complete them, which I think, you know, I, I mean, think that's just, it is what it is. Like, it is, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like yeah. The, the category is OMG, right? And like, mm. like that implies like, you're doing something it's, that's OMG worthy. It's different. It's exactly. it's, it's like yeah. shocking, right? Um, and and yeah. <laughs> most shocking things, especially if they're structures, are gonna take some time to build. So um, yeah, that's a pretty yeah. fast. That's a pretty fast timeline. Um, so Im- Im- impressive, man. It that, was. that you were able to get you were able to get it done. So talk to us about the business now, right? So you've got these first two two structures, and are are you thinking about like expanding? Is is the goal like, hey, let's build a whole you know, a travel brand, hospitality brand around Bubble. Like you, you've got Bubble Retreats as part of your name. Like, walk us through. Now that you have these two up and running, and they're doing really well, what what happens next? Yeah, so I I guess once I had finished that first site, and now it's going really well. Like we're booked out every night, um, and yeah, it's ticking along really well. So. I guess I had a. It's we've only been open f- for three months, um, and um. Oh, so you just finished about, this August, this past August. This August. Oh my yeah, gosh! Yeah. Wow. Yeah, okay. So we okay. Finished three months ago. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Um. Yeah. So it's pretty fresh, but I am. I guess the plan always was to, you know, if this one was successful and I could get proof of concept, was to start sort of, you know, expanding. Um. So I've been doing a lot more work again, sitting on my computer and sort of planning out how that will, that will play out. The plan is currently to open a second site with three bubbles um, on a vineyard. Wow. Um, yeah, so we're just going to put another, like that will be in Victoria as well. Um, and then after that, there's, um, yeah, we'll start to look at sort of other states within Australia. So Australia, as you know, is quite a big country. Yeah. So, um, but it's a great place. I think it's, um, there's a huge opportunity in Australia, Australia, even compared to, I guess, you know, America and Europe and those places. Um Lots of national parks, like yeah. a lot of land, a lot of rural, I guess. That's sort of booming at the moment. People are loving sort of going out to regional and rural areas to stay yeah. um, and experience new things. So, yeah, there's a huge opportunity here at the moment. I think uh, our plan with the bubbles is to maintain, I guess, a really high-quality experience yeah. for our guests and sort of not try and, you know, build hundreds of bubbles across Australia, but, you know, build, you know, uh, say 10 bubble retreats across Australia with, you know, in really strategic locations um, with, you know, great land partners and and start to build out a a bit of a brand, I guess. Yeah, like I said, we've only been open for three months. The initial um, plan was to do a lot more marketing and brand building, but we've sort of just, you know, booked out (laughs) without doing too much. So we're sort of just, you know, we've saved a bit of money in that sense. But I think it's still important that we start to look at those, you know, start to optimize the website and, build a bit more of a strategy, um, you know, with influences and that type of thing, build a bit of a brand. I think that's important if we are going to expand. So that's the, I guess, the next steps uh, from here. Last minute cancellations suck. And that's why we built Ping. 
Ping makes it easy for guests to be notified when their favorite Airbnbs become available. Ping is a simple widget that lives on your website or your direct booking site and allows your fans and followers to sign up and be notified if their preferred dates become available. Here's how it works. Jimmy sees that you're booked the whole month of October, but he wants to be notified if any three-night window in the month becomes available. Jen is a returning guest, and she wants to be notified if any week in June, July, or August becomes available. In a matter of seconds, Jimmy and Jen fill out this simple form, and they will be pinged if the requested dates become available. And as a host, you will immediately get pinged via email with Jimmy and Jen's contact information and requested dates, which enables you to build up your own database of guest email addresses. Ping is what the best Airbnb hosts use to maximize bookings. You can get access to our beta pricing with plans that start at just $39 a year at bnbping.com. Again, that's bnbping.com. There, there's there's so much opportunity you, you, you certain structures right like let's say like like a frames in the u.s have been like really popular right and there's all these like yeah like a lot of the instagram famous airbnbs like at least a couple years ago were, were all a frames a frames like make sense in certain contexts right like mountains right in, in particular like you don't really see a lot of A-frames at like the beach. I don't know that aesthetically the the architecture makes as much sense as it does in, you know, a cooler environment, or a more northern environment in the mountains, a ski town, a ski chalet, right? Like it it makes sense there. You take tiny homes even, right? And like, you know, tiny homes you can in theory work wherever. A lot of times they end up being they buy, you know, someone buys a plot of land, typically like, you know, hour and a half to two hours outside of a major city, and they pop up 10, 12 tiny homes, you know, right, right there. What's cool about like the bubble is you could, you could do like bubble retreats on the beach. You could do bubble retreats in the mountains. You could do bubble retreats in vineyards. Like you're saying, like because of the, because of the the mission, right. Meaning to connect people to out, out the outdoors, to help people stargaze, like, and, and because quite frankly of the actual structure you could kind of plant them anywhere and 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 it would like work right it it you you it doesn't have bubbles don't have connotations of like well it's got to be in like you know a warm environment or it's got to be in like the north pole cuz it's a snow globe like they, they don't have the same connotation uh uh yeah. that 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 some other structures have which is which is really cool cuz it gives you a lot of room to to expand if 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 again that's something that you ultimately want to do yeah, yeah, no, you're definitely right. It's um, and it is certainly something that we want to do. Um, having seen the success of this first site, but yeah, I still think you know, uh, being strategic and you know, selecting sites which will work is still important. I think you know, being our plan is to be close to national parks. Yeah. So you know, sort of being sort of two to three hours maximum, sort of out of capital cities, but also um, close to national parks and you know where you get that that sort of tourism traffic. I think. I think it's a, the perfect because it's more of an experiential accommodation. Yeah. Oh, it is an experiential accommodation. But um, I think combining those two things um, in terms of you know putting them in locations where we have great land partners, um, but also are close to national parks and where people want to be and do things during the day, and then they can sort of escape to the bubble at night time. Yeah, I think that's that's the the plan anyway. Can, or what we see working best. Yeah. Can you like? Yeah easily move them like if you were to like deflate them can you deflate them and then like move it you know a few hundred feet if you wanted to or is that like is, you can. is, it, is it pretty hard yeah their portability like that yeah they are portable I, it's they're not like 
it would take a bit of time and yeah. a bit of effort. Yeah. Um, definitely more portable than most structures. So I guess that does, I guess, reduce the risk a little bit with the from a business perspective. You know, if something if you, we do need to move them, it is possible. Um, it might take a week to move three bubbles from one location to another. Yeah. Um, you know, you once you sort of yeah, but you could do it. Yeah. So um yeah, it's definitely something that is an advantage there as well. Um well, and like, also, I guess even just the speed to in which you can set them up. Like once you have all the infrastructure in yeah. place, like this first site, I built out a lot of it myself, so it took a lot longer. Yeah. But um, the plan for the next sites would be to, you know, have a few more tradespeople, and we could really sort of, you know, build the the next site much much quicker. Yeah. Um, yeah. So one, yeah, one of the things that that like came to mind when I was looking at at the bubbles, and then even just hearing you chat today is. There's, I know a lot of people in experiential hospitality, lots of them are, are listeners of this podcast. P- people have done like really, really incredible, unique stays, right? And in one of the things that's so difficult is a lot of these places are pretty remote, right? And one, a lot of these folks are now positioning themselves as, hey, I'm running like a micro resort, or you know, I'm I, they want they want the feeling to be cut to come across as like a boutique hotel or like a micro resort or something like that. Yeah. And, and one of the hardest things, right, is that like when you and I think about going to a resort or we think about going to like a boutique hotel, oftentimes we think that there's 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 some element of like service, like somebody like a concierge, right, someone you could communicate with. You could make the case that you can automate that um, and, and do it well. And, I, you know, I, I think that there is a case to be made for that. One of the things that's hardest, though, to, to convince people of is like the food and beverage problem. Like the like if you are staying in a in, in in a place and you can't walk to the bar downstairs in the in the hotel lobby for a drink, right? It's not really a boutique hotel or it's not really like a a, a resort, <laughs> right? And and I think a lot of hospitality entrepreneurs right now are trying to solve for that for the food and beverage problem, especially folks that have, are doing are creating spaces like you've created, which are like destinations in and of themselves, right? People see that on Instagram or TikTok and they they want to go there just because they want to stay in the freaking bubble. Like that's why they're making yeah. the trip, right? And yeah. and so the reason I asked about their portability is like this structure c- could be like the structure that folks need to create a pop-up restaurant, right? At, at their at their micro resort, right? Where it's like, it could be seasonal, right? Just during during months where you're at 100% capacity in the summer or whatever, bring a rotating chef to come in and live on property for three months and use the bubble as the place where, you know, the kitchen and, and like the dining room, like the communal dining room could, could take place. So, because a lot of the folks have been like, well, one of the hardest things is it doesn't always make sense. to. It wouldn't necessarily make sense for us to build out a restaurant because, you know, maybe they're a seasonal place or it's hard to find like, you know, a chef that will come in just for a couple nights a week to like cook something. Anyways, have you thought about doing something like that? <laughs> I guess this is, yeah, this is a I really have, long question. No, no, <laughs> yeah, no, no, I have. It's a good question. Um, I think that's that's why our next site, we've sort of learned from this site because that has been a challenge, the food and beverage. We're in yeah. the site that we're on currently. Um, you know, we have a Weber barbecue. We have, I guess, all the basic amenities to be able to cook up. Yeah. And, you know, we give them a, a guide to, you know, the local restaurants and things, which is still quite a way away. Yeah. Um, and I think that's why our next location, we're looking at, you know, partnering with a business, so like a vineyard. Yeah. Where there's, yeah, yeah. you know, a salad door and yeah. a restaurant on site. Um, so, sort of. That's smart, I guess that's, yeah. 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 So, I like a vineyard close to a national park. So, you've got things to do during the day. Um, there's one that I have in mind who I've been chatting to, um, which looks promising. 
And, you know, they ha- they have like staff on site, restaurant. Ah, you know, yeah. They do tours of the the underground cellar. They have helicopter tours from the actual vineyard itself. So that's I think how you do that's it. The, that's yeah, I mean, that, I like, think, yeah. yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. It's, oh no, I was just going to say. I think that's um, yeah. I think that's the best move for the bubbles in terms of you know, like I think it covers off a lot of the challenges of the tiny homes that yeah. we see in Australia. A lot of those are very remote. Um, and they're, you know, sort of one-off just sort of sitting in the middle of nowhere, which I actually love. But yeah. um, I think for the bubbles, being able to sort of partner with more of a business rather than a, a private property owner, I think really adds to the experience for all of those reasons I just mentioned. Yeah. So why why isn't this more of a thing, right? Like why, why not, like our vineyards and like breweries and whatnot, like a lot of them are not necessarily building their own hospitality structures right on but but they own a lot of land right yeah <laughs> and, and, yeah and so like why do you think like are there examples of this in in australia where where you know folks come in hospitality entrepreneurs like yourself and you work with local vineyard they you essentially like rent land from them you don't even like buy the land from them and then like they they let you build or like are, are you trying to are you trying to buy land from from the vineyard like how are you how are you negotiating that because to me I'm just thinking out loud here. Like that—that's a brilliant yeah. strategy. Why not just build like a collection of unique structures at a vineyard or at a brewery? It solves yeah. the food and beverage problem. There are staff on site, right, for for any problems that might come about, and you strike up some rev share or whatever. Like, how 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 are you thinking about this? Yeah, so that's essentially the plan. So yeah, we do have a revenue share model. So okay. we think that works as well because. It kind of you know it gets the the land partner invested in the business as well, so they yeah. they want it to succeed as much as we do. You know the the more bookings and the more revenue we make, the more they make, the more we make. Um, but yeah, like I, that's I guess the opportunity as well. Like I've that's kind of why I've sort of started in this space. Like I look at companies like Under Canvas over in America yeah. selling for a hundred million dollars, you know, and they're building out you know these amazing sort of. You know, nothing too crazy like their canvas tents, yeah. you know, retreats located close to national parks. Um, but again, they cover off a lot of those essentials, you know, like the food and beverage and, you know, having communal areas and that kind of thing. I would love to, I guess, not do exactly that, but, you know, sort of emulate something similar to that with the bubbles, you know, and that's why partnering with these vineyards and yeah. I guess local businesses rather than private landowners makes sense. Um yeah, but in Australia, I just like there are, I guess, like tiny homes have really taken off. Yeah. But I yeah. think even we're always a little bit behind, you know, America and places like that. And <laughs> I think there's almost a, there's definitely a big opportunity in Australia at the moment for, I guess, what we're talking about now, you know, being able to partner with uh, landowners and, you know, bring that sort of those accommodations to these, um, these properties. And they also, I guess, you know, having chatted to a lot of them, um, about the concept, most of them are really, really keen. You know, they're so busy, you know, yeah. with the the vineyard, you know, making wine and, you know, running the restaurant and all these kind of things. A lot of them have thought about accommodation. Yeah. Um, and they see that they've thought about, you know, the positive effects that that would bring to their business, but they just don't have the time or the the ability. Like even, you know, permitting and, yeah. you know, going through council to get, get these things approved take a lot of time and a lot of effort. So having someone come in and, you know, do all of that for them, um, yeah. I think it's a, a model that that makes sense for everyone. Yeah, you know it's also really interesting. Um, in in like the in the states, right? At least I'm sure this is global too. But there are a lot of like retreat centers, right? Like people like a lot of like 
churches that own like massive, massive amounts of like land and like retreat centers, right? All all across the country. And, you know, these these centers are are typically like seasonal, right? They might have like summer camps for the kids. Or they, they might do some sort of like you know, re- retreat a few a few weekends uh, in the fall or something like that. And and a lot of these centers, these retreat centers, they have like staff, right, that are on site, like making food for whoever's actually on the retreat. But they also are on like these huge properties of land. Um, and I'm, I, I was thinking the other day, I was like, gosh, like there's got to be a way to basically like, you know, a lot, a lot of these centers are old, like not as many people are going on like religious retreats anymore. And, and, and there's got to be a way to be, to partner with them and say, Hey, you keep doing, you know, what you, what you do and you love. Can we rent this plot of land from you, you know, o- over here, build a few unique structures and do a rev share model with you for, yeah. you know, it doesn't, it doesn't interrupt your core business at all. But you you have an asset which is the land, and you've got a hundred acres of it, and you really only ever use like five of the hundred acres, yeah. right, or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. And it's it, and it's amazing that you don't see you don't see more of this. Like maybe maybe that's kind of getaways model, but it, I, I, from my understanding, it's, it's not even quite getaways model. So yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It, I think I think you're onto something, man. Like this is yeah. so, so you guys you guys if if this next thing goes through, is the is the pitch to just rent the you're not trying to buy like land from the landowner is that correct or 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 are you no so the the plan currently is just to do a revenue share model so essentially there's no real there's no like rent like you're not renting land no okay yeah that that was an option that we looked at you know like say pay like a you know an amount per month yeah lease the land essentially um which would make sense for a number of reasons um i think the revenue share model makes sense i guess the main reason being i think it's good for the the actual land partner to be invested in the company as well. 100%, yeah. So they're sort of motivated to, you know, make sure that the guest experience is optimal. But um, yeah, I, I, I agree with everything you're saying. Like I think, yeah, there's just there's just so much opportunity, like not just with bubbles, but like I've got my main, I guess, struggle is to just focus in and make yeah. sure I focus on <laughs> building out the bubbles for the next sort of couple of years at least and really sort of make that a success because like I love like listening to your podcast and, you know, reading books and learning about the space. Like I'm relatively fresh, obviously, and and learning a lot in these first um, in this first mo- period here. But um, yeah, there's just the more you sort of learn, the more you you realise that there's just so much opportunity. Yeah. Um, and particularly if you can get creative and think about different ways of doing it. Yeah. Um, like I know you mentioned the the, the land there with the the um, the churches and that kind of thing. You've also got like like. I was at a, a caravan park over the long recent long weekend here in Australia and you look at like a caravan park and a lot of these like around Australia you see lots of sort of these run down old um, campsites caravan parks yeah with a, with a whole lot of land and infrastructure there just sitting there waiting and you think like I think that's another opportunity that people will start to look at as well not whether it's partnering partnering with those um, those parks or also looking at you know acquiring I guess yeah. some of those those rundown parks and sort of building them up. I think that's another opportunity that that could work as well. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. And you know, when it, when I think about like vineyards too, and like breweries here in the States or whatever, what's true about a lot of these properties is like, they're beautiful. Like they're very well kept. Right. And so like, you know, you go to in, in right outside DC is like uh, Virginia wine country. And it's, okay. you know, it, it's no like Napa or, or, you know, like Sonoma or whatever, but like, yeah, 
it's it's you know it's there's a lot of beautiful vineyards and there's you know decent wine but these vineyards are they're gorgeous like and 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 just because of like you know the 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 blue ridge mountains and 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 the the terrain um of the area you've got like this like hills and and they're they're just very very well kept like in 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 like you know how you would expect a hotel garden like to, to look yeah. like or to feel or like the landscaping of a landscape hotel to, to be so if, if you can just plant a luxury unique accommodation on top of something that's already well kept and 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 you layer on food and beverage and an experience on top of that like not only can you charge yeah. way more because guests will be willing to pay way more you can also yeah. work out these incredible opportunities with the landowners and it, it's meeting yeah. it's meeting a need that they have their guests want to be able to like you know have a few bottles of wine and then not drive yeah. home right and like exactly you, yeah. you now yeah. have an you now have an option for for you know for, for them to do something like that so I, yeah. I i am shocked quite frankly that i have not seen and i've been looking actually i've been like looking at like all these vineyards and breweries and being like none of them like in virginia right like have have something like this there are there are accommodations yeah. like nearby but none like on the property itself so I yeah, don't, for yeah. anyone listening, this seems like a big <laughs> opportunity. <laughs> yeah, I think it is. I think one of the, um, I guess, challenges, and I'm not sure it might be similar in America, but the like the permitting process as well yeah, can be a limiting factor. So yeah. I think there's a lot of, um, you know, uh, they're so busy sort of running their vineyard, restaurant, like you know, farm, whatever it is, um, they just don't have time to sort of go through that permitting process. Yeah. And I guess that's where we come in as well, because I guess we can. You know, go to the essentially source and find these locations where the council is, um, you know, positive and wants to do these kind of things, and find those councils that are going to approve these types of projects. So, yeah. again, it's just another advantage there of um, of what we're doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh gosh, man, this is really exciting. Well, so so what's next? Are you are you going to try to raise some money to do the, this next phase? Or are you just going to be able to? Are you going to like self fund it? Like, what are your thoughts on sort of expansion? Yeah, so that's essentially. Right at this point, that's what I'm working at. I'm I'm working at how to get a little bit more money together. Um, uh, and yeah, like I know the numbers in terms of what's required to build out the next site. I'm I'm just going to focus on building the second site and making that work um, yeah. over the next sort of twelve months, and then we'll look to maybe expand a little bit faster and bigger. Um, not 100 percent sure, but yeah, I'm looking. I'm chatting. I've chatted to a few, I guess, in investors, yeah, and just sort of pitched them on the idea to to get some feedback, and and it's been really positive. So, um, just sort of, I guess, feeling that one out yeah. a little bit at the moment. And yeah. um, the the plan is by Christmas to have, you know, a, a land partner lined up, like have that sort of locked in, start that permitting process, and also have the solution in terms of how we're going to fund. There's so many yeah. different ways of doing that yeah. as you know so it's yeah. um just trying to work out the best avenue at the moment yeah well are you are you open to investment because some a lot of people that listen to this podcast uh like I, I hear stories of hey i had you know i after the pod i got a call from somebody that listens in and they want to invest are you are you actively seeking or open to conversations about yeah yeah definitely open to convers- okay okay yep absolutely so yeah open to conversations um uh yeah and very, I guess, open-minded as well in terms of how we, we would expand moving forward. So, yeah, I like like I said, I've chatted to a few investors and um, with some really positive feedback there. So, I, yeah, open to suggestions and would love to chat to anyone that's interested in sort of, you know, partnering up and, 
and moving it forward. Yeah, yeah. Well, man, this has yeah. been a, a wonderful conversation. I'm just, I'm pumped by what you're doing. Super cool that you were one of the award recipients of of the OMG Fund contest. And these are, I mean, I, I was looking at your stuff and it's it's truly unique. Like I, I, I freaking love it. And it, it's one of the reasons why it's so cool too is, is because it is, so, you know, relatively speaking, like a very affordable structure to build. The fact that you could move it yeah. with a little bit of work also really cool. Like it, it, there, there yeah. are so many, there are so many cool factors to it. Um, and I, I just, I wish you all the best, man. And, uh, you know, keep, keep up the great work. Looking to, forward to seeing you expand. Really hope you can lock in a partner with a vineyard that I think that that is a kind of next step would be, would be fantastic. But, um, if yeah. folks do want to learn more or they want to, you know, reach out and have a conversation with you, what's the best way for them to get in touch? Uh, yeah, so Bubble Retreats on Instagram, um, so you can send a, a DM there. Um, I guess outside of that, from a personal perspective, perhaps on LinkedIn. Cool. So Tim, Har- Tim Harper on LinkedIn. Um, yeah, feel free to, to connect on there and, and send me a message. And um, yeah, they're probably the, the best too. Wonderful. And we'll go ahead and drop those links in the show notes, folks, for, for um, those of you who want to connect with Tim. But Tim, thank you so much for your time, man. It's been a real pleasure. Thanks, Zach. Appreciate you having me on the show. Really appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Behind the Stays. I'd love to know what you thought of the episode. Feel free to shoot me an email directly at Zach, that's Z-A-C-H, at spontaneous.com, or find me on X, formerly Twitter, at ZBoozy, that's Z-B-O-O-Z-E-E, or on LinkedIn at Zach Boozy Cruz. If this is your first time tuning in, it's a pleasure to have you, and we hope to have you back again soon. If you've been a listener for a while, though, I'd greatly appreciate if you could subscribe and then leave us a rating and review of the show wherever you are currently streaming this podcast. Last but certainly not least, Spontaneous and Behind the Stays are totally bootstrapped, and my ability to bring you these stories is only possible because of our incredible advertising partners. We're very much a startup show, and while our growth rate is amazing, thanks to all you who keep tuning in and sharing our show with your friends and family, we haven't quote-unquote made it yet. So if you could do me a huge favor and go and check out the sponsor for today's episode in the show notes below, I would greatly appreciate it. Even if their offering doesn't make sense for you right now, sending them a quick message on social or an email, just saying that you're listening to the show and you appreciate their support would be incredibly amazing. All right, friends, thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of your day and we will see you on the next episode of Behind the Stays.